joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Yes, Lord. Father, we just thank you so much this morning. Lord, as we gather here today, we thank you that we can have a fresh revelation of your great love for your people. Father, I thank you that you can adjust our structures of belief, our mindsets, our paradigms, our point of views, our opinions. Lord, we thank you that you desire to lead us in the greater dimensions of freedom and life. So, Father, this morning as we dedicate this time to you, Father, I thank you for freedom to worship, freedom to learn, freedom to grow. God bless your body, I pray. Supernatural hug today. Let them feel your love this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Didn't they do a great job? Yeah. Welcome to church, everybody. Good to see you all. Today, my name is Pastor Lorne. It's my delight to share the word of the Lord with you today. And um, yeah, yeah. You never really know uh, what's going to happen, do you? Not really. And um, so I just want to... I've really, really been encouraged this morning. Uh, Church starts at 8.45 when we have a little huddle out in the foyer, and then we have pre-service prayer at 9 o'clock, and um, we start worship at 9.30, I get to start to preach at 10. There's all these different pieces. Our pre-service prayers have been really, really rich. It's just really great. And and anyway, so I don't want to wander or take too many rabbit trails this morning. Probably need to clean up one of my trails from last week a little bit, (laughs) probably. Um, Yeah, so this morning I'm, I'm gonna continue with this theme on empowering relationships. And um, it's surprising. So this week, um, boy, a lot of things have happened. And, um, and so, um, Holy Spirit, let me focus. I want to talk about, um, about relationships a little bit further. And I want you to turn to the book of Ruth once again. Uh, as you read, as I, as, as I study through the week and, I, and pray, and I'm always really encouraged how the Lord uh, brings his word alive for me. And then while I'm preaching, it comes alive again. And so we're handling like the living word. (laughs) You know, it's amazing to me. Jesus said, the words I speak, they're spirit and they're life. This is remarkable to me. So we're we're, we're actually transacting in a substance of life when we share the word of the Lord. It's like, like there's nothing else like this. This is like not like any TED talk that's ever happened. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't, I don't think you can learn to preach it at, uh, you know, a Toastmasters thing, um, even though they're great, but because you're handling a word, the word of life. And, um, and I'm, and I'm quite aware of that. It's like you, like when you first get a little baby, it's, you're handling a life. And, um, and there's a quality of life when we come to Christ that he puts within us. And I was just sharing with my wife 
today I woke up in the middle of the night and I just kept thinking of the word of, of life and, um, and how that, you know, it, it also says that life is in the blood and how the, the, the life of, that God gives us, it's a different quality of life. It's called Zoe life. It's, God, it's a God quality of life. And now that's in my blood. It's going to my lungs, through my heart, to every organ. And, and so I'm always really, really, um, I, get, I get really passionate about, about Christianity because it works. And if it isn't working, I don't think we are working. You gotta work it. And so, um, anyway, I'm trying to be aware of the, you know, what the, the, this, all of these pieces that are going on. And I was just so happy today that Roma, do you know Roma Downey from Touch My Name? Yeah, she liked one of my Instagram posts. I was so happy. <laughs> I must be starved for affirmation. <laughs> Thought of that while I was showering and shaving and everything else this morning. and I. I go, and you know, there must be this great vacuous hole within me that, that when a like makes you feel that good. So I'm just saying that we, are, we, are, we contain the life, but the life leaks through us, and we, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, and the earthen vessel is seriously cracked and flawed, and, and so we should, um, so, so in talking this morning about, about empowering relationships, I wanna look at something that it just really came so alive to me, uh, early this morning, and, um, and I've entitled my message, has anybody seen the, the movie Three Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah, this is three funerals and a wedding, because that's what the book of Ruth is about. It begins with three funerals, and it ends with a wedding. I know. So let's have a look and see where we're going. I have, a, I have a, a, an idea of where we're going, but... Um, Every relationship is either a blessing or a lesson. Um, we're, we're, I've heard at one time that we are the sum total of five dominant relationships in our life. We're all influenced by relationships. When the Lord wants to adjust something in our life, he puts us into a relationship with someone to help us either see that within ourselves or else share a truth with us. So we have to remain um, teachable. Um, when I teach from the word, I am just teaching what I'm, I feel I've been taught. Nobody ever has to agree with it, ever, really, really. But you, but you will find that it's in certain crises that our beliefs are really exposed. Char character like oxygen, um, you, you, you need it the, the most. Um, okay, I forgot that. <laughs> Ignore that. When you're without it, I think, that's when you need the most oxygen. But, um, but what happens, here's what, just what happens to me. My beliefs are public. Yours are quite private. But eventually they'll surface, just like your values. None of your values are, are hidden, they're visible. You can observe your values, what you value. It, it eventually surfaces. And so, so I'm going to share probably a number of personal, of my personal beliefs. You won't know when they're sneaking out. You'll just, they'll just sneak out. And, um, and I want to look at, at this uh, once again at Ruth. And I understand, I think, now why it's not named Naomi, the book, but Ruth. Ruth is really the rock star. It's not Naomi. Naomi is a bit messed up. 
And so I was a bit troubled when I got uh, reading through chapter one. I went through it, I don't know, five or six times. But by the time I got there to verse 20 this morning, I get, okay, I get it. And, and here's, here's an inter- just the interesting, the mo- I think one of the most interesting things of the Bible, sorry, in this, uh, this book. Verse 19, so the two of them continued on their journey, um, and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was stirred by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Verse 20, instead call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent me such tragedy? Uh, A man by the name of Elimelech uh, was Naomi's husband. And there was a famine in Bethlehem. And rather than stay and live in faith, he moved the family to Moab. Uh, So I think that was step number one. Our decisions we make are never in isolation. They always affect other people. So he decides to leave. The result of him leaving, uh, his two boys get married to the Moabites. They're there for a decade to two uh, Moabite women. And uh, the first chapter, the first eight or ten verses begin by, with three funerals. The husband dies and both of the boys die. She, she now hears that, the, hears that the, ironically, Bethlehem means house of bread. And there's a famine. It's, in, it's an interesting way to start a story. So she ends up um, say, I'm going to go back. I heard she's not moving by faith. She's being pulled around by some circumstance, but, but Ruth, as a Moabitess, decides that instead of going back, she's going to stay with her. And sometimes it's read at, at weddings is don't ask me to leave. I'll go wherever you go, live where you, you live. Your people be my people. Your God will be my God. I'll die where you die. I'll be buried where you, uh, I'll be buried and will be buried there. May the Lord punish me severely if I ever allow anything but death to separate us. It's in, uh, so once again, I, I realize, okay, so she, in chapter three, uh, she follows the instructions of Naomi implicitly, but when she's told to go back, she doesn't go back to Moab. This is, this is interesting. Now, so this is a difficult time in Israel's history. There's, there's, uh, it's right at the end of Judges. There's apostasy, cruelty. There's no king. There's a civil war. It's at a very difficult time in, in Israel's history. Um, so, so what happens is that Naomi is coming back and she misunderstands, listen to this and this, this is because we're singing about the name of the Lord this morning, a bunch. And this is what got me worked up this morning. Don't call me Naomi, she told them, instead call me Mara, which means bitter. So these circumstances didn't improve her or make her better, they made her bitter. And, and Ruth is the one that acts so amazing. But it says, instead of calling me, instead call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such a tragedy? Um, This is a misrepresentation of God Almighty. But what happens in our life, here's what I find oftentimes, is God gets blamed for tragedies in our life. He either gets blamed directly or else we use some crazy 
idea of ultra-sovereignty, well, at least he, but he allowed it to happen. So we're very quick to blame. Either blame God, or here, can I just help us charismatics out a little bit, or we blame the devil. It's a frightening, okay, so it's a frightening thing to think, because if I were to ask you this morning, is the enemy a defeated foe? Okay, so then why don't we act more like it? That's a, that's a defining statement for a follower of Christ. So, so I've just now messed with some of your belief systems. I know. It messes with mine. But it's interesting to me that she uses the term God, Almighty God, which is the, the, the term that we're familiar with is El Shaddai, the all-powerful one. So how can you say that the all, this is interesting. How, so what, what is her frame of reference for this? I think it's Psalm chapter nine that says, those who know your name shall put their trust in you. Is it possible to know his name but not know him? So if I were to say the term El Shaddai, you'd, you would understand that. We've heard that before and we sing about that. The, the picture, a shad was a breast. He is the many-breasted one. I know, it's twisted, sounds twisted. But he has, he has a constant supply, and there's a never-ending supply. He, he'll never, you'll never go short. This is, and so she uses this intimate term, and we're singing about the name of the Lord, and some of us even sing, um, the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. <clears throat> so we can know his name, but not know him by that name. So we can, so we cannot know, we cannot have the, we may, we may be able to say the name, but not have the experience of the name. So something happens that's remarkable. And, um, and I just want to touch on this just a little bit, because th the fact is that when we come to Christ, we have access to another dimension. A totally different dimension, a dimension of the spirit. And we're all th three parts, minimum, spirit, soul, and body. But very often we don't properly address the other two. We deal with the physical a lot. But the other two actually have a significant bearing on our life and on our worlds. So we are, we are at least three parts. We, we think that there's three dimensions. String theory now tells us that there's 10 dimensions. Dr. Cho talks about the fourth dimension. There is another, other dimensions. But we only see in part and we only get to understand in part. The fact is, when we get saved, the work begins. It just starts. It's not done, it just starts. Sure, you're gonna make it to heaven and you're loved and you're, isn't that great? But actually integrating that into our walk is a, a daily <clears throat> piece of work. Think of this, what it says in Philippians. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Wow. I don't, I, I don't have that. I do positionally, but I don't functionally. Did you guys all function with the mind of Christ this week? I'm curious. Maybe not so much. So... So this, this is interesting to me. The fact is that we stop working. When we stop working, so do the benefits of the kingdom. 
We can't expect to violate kingdom principles and expect kingdom results. September the 3rd, 1967, Sweden went from driving on the right side, left side to the right side. Did you know that? Remarkable. Well, some people didn't like that idea. You wanna know what happened? It was absolute chaos in Sweden on September the 3rd, 1967. But here's what the law was. The law was that you no longer, it's no longer right to drive on that side of the road. Now we need to drive on this side of the road. And the fact was a lot of the vehicles they were using, they were not just Volvos and Saabs, they were actually North American vehicles that had their, driving, their steering wheel on the left-hand side. Sim- this, is a, this, is a crazy, this is a crazy thought, but just humor me a little bit. Um, could it be that the same thing happens? The laws are different for you and I now but we're still insisting on using the old laws. And it's quite easy to function with an old covenant heart. I don't know if you knew that or not. Very easy. Um, we, can vi- we, we can't violate kingdom principles and expect kingdom benefits. Um, what do I wanna say? I wanna say, I wanna say that we actually have control of how people react to us. If, if you decided to come this morning dressed up, dressed up like uh, uh, Tigger, <laughs> I know, I know, but you would get a different response from people as if you just came normal. Right? Because we have some control over that. You shouldn't blame people for treating you a certain way if you're dressed like Tigger. Are you, are you following me? I know it sounds insane. Last week when I said that, the, I, I talked about, the, um, about gay marriage, that that actually is, that, that, that's an oxymoron. That's one, one of the places I got in trouble. So let me just clear it up a little bit. I'm just sharing my opinion. I believe that marriage is a biblical term. Now if you wanna, you know, do whatever with whoever, don't, just don't call it marriage, because marriage is a biblical term. And don't expect me to treat you the same way I would with, as an other person, because you've chosen a certain lifestyle to, now, are you loved? Yeah, can, can you come to church? Yeah. Does Jesus love you? Yes. Okay, no problem, there. But your lifestyle can actually determine how people respond to you. So don't get upset, you know, this, like, Listen, if you, have a, if you have a tattoo that says Godzilla across your forehead, there's a chance when I'm talking to you, my eyes are going to go up. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? We, so we have some control. Are you listening? We have some control over how people respond to us. <laughs> I'm trying. <sighs> Our change is directly proportionate to the, degree, to, the, to the degree that we choose to change our beliefs. Behaviors cannot be adjusted unless beliefs are first adjusted. Eventually you can only, so that, why is it important to have a good self-image? Because your relationships will be the reflection of your self-image. What is the, your self-image? It's the image you have of yourself. You can change that. I did one of the, about five years ago, I heard Dr. Jim share about writing a character sketch. About, and so every, but, but for years, I wrote out words. They're like declarations, I say over myself, that are built uh, 
are, 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 that I get from Scripture. Because I want to conform to the image of Christ. That's what I want. And so you know what? Relationships help us to do that. Because they're like mirrors, and they force us to see what's going on inside of us. That's what happens. So I've got a number of significant uh, beliefs. I think one of the purposes of life is to learn to love. That's why we're placed in families and friendships and church. And what happens when we start to get close to people and they irk us, which they will, welcome to the world. So do families, eventually, you're not all that awesome. Eventually, eventually, someone's gonna have to, like in order, are you? Okay, so that's one of the purposes of life. <laughs> um, so let me, so remind us that doing our job is part of our job. So I have a core belief that God is good and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him, that he actually rewards. He's a rewarder. I believe that. I believe that faith isn't for talking God into fulfilling one of his promises, but trusting his word and his character to do what he say he'll do. I can't twist God's arm, right? Fasting is not a hunger strike to get God to do something you want him to do. He wants to do for you more things than you want him to do for you. That's just a core belief I have. The other core belief that I carry in my heart is that Satan is defeated. The other core belief I had is that God gives us our desires. Satan doesn't give you any desires. He can't. But he can tempt you to use unauthorized means of satisfying the desires that God gave you. Sex is a God-given desire. Hunger is a God-given desire, right? You got a desire to be affirmed that God gave you that. You're not meant to be rejected. We act out when we're rejected, that, right? God gives us these desires. So, so they come from God. Repentance isn't feeling bad about what I did, but feeling great about what God has already done. So when we look at this story of Ruth, let me get to my point. I know you're wondering, will he ever get there? Yes, he, I'm, I'm well on the way. Boaz is surprised by Ruth's, by love, and Ruth is surprised by grace. Ruth's actions have created certain reactions. And so what we see here is we see that Ruth, right from the beginning, chapter two and verse two, yet there was a wealthy man, but Naomi, sorry, but Ruth gets up one day and says, let me go into the fields and gather some leftover grain. She says, I wanna do something. And when we do something, we create some reaction of some kind. I'm just, that's what happened, like, right? Tigger, dressing like Tigger. We create some reaction. That's why the only way to deal with fear is by, by action. Fear tries to paralyze you. When you move, when you act, now fear no longer has any power. That's why, that's what, why courage is being afraid but stepping out anyway. Faith is very much the same. So... So she says, let me do something. I want to do something. Um, we need to learn that everything we see, feel, and hear is not necessarily true. It's simply a perspective of truth. We often, and it's often just an opinion. Can I just say to everybody, this is a news flash, that everything on the screen is not real. Did you know everything, did you know everything on the internet is not true? Did you know that? It's a news flash. You heard it here. 
So she's had some, she's had been through a tough season. Naomi and Ruth have been through a tough season. But what is getting, what is getting revealed is some of their core beliefs. Naomi's and Ruth's. The fact is that we always have a choice. We always have a choice. One of the most sacred things about you. When someone tries to remove your choice by force, that's ungodly, unhealthy, and will eventually be destructive. So don't give your choice away to anybody. You've always got a choice. Responsibility is the ability to respond. You always have the ability to respond. So, if you were Ruth, what would your move be? Because here's a core belief of mine, it's always my move. Can you say, it's my move with me? It's my move. It's always going to be your move. Yeah, but pastor, this person did this to me. Uh-huh, they're going to. They're going to mess with you. They're going to pee in your cornflakes. <laughs> they're going to do bad things to you. Right? They're going to put you down and they're going to, yeah, but you, it's always your move. What have I done? I've just empowered you in every relationship that you have. You have the ability to respond. Okay? Say it again. It's my move. We get to move. We choose our life. The Bible says, and we choose it daily. Choose you this day. You choose your life. Yeah, you don't understand my circumstance. I'm not talking about your circumstance. I'm talking about your choice. This is powerful. It's really powerful. We choose. So in chapter 2, when, when Boaz looks at her, he sees, wow, you've got a great work ethic. Yeah, why? Because she's working. And, and then he says, you know, she'd been hard at work ever since, um, right at the beginning there, if you read through chapter 2. Um, he says, he warned the young guys, don't, don't bug her. Um, in verse uh, 11 of chapter 2, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him. He says, why are you so kind to me? Because I'm a foreigner. And listen to his response. Yeah, I know, Boaz says, but I also know about your love and kindness that you've shown to your mother-in-law. He, wh- what did he do? He noticed, because there's always somebody watching that's able to advance you or enlarge you or increase you. There's always somebody watching. Able to bless you. There's always somebody watching. Right? So he says, you know what? He, he doesn't quite say it like this, but he says, here's why I'm so kind. Because you've been kind. Think of it. This is not karma. This is life. Why are you showing me kindness? He said, well, I've observed your kindness. And I've heard about how kind and how generous kindness that you've shown your mother. I've also heard how you left your father and mother and to live in this land and you're now among complete strangers. May the Lord... The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully. How is she taking refuge under the Lord's wings? Hey, how is she, how is she doing that? He says, I've noticed that you came under the Lord's wings for protection. Really? But she's with Naomi. Aha. Aha. This was an or- authorized, ordained relationship that the Lord had put together. What she, she's... Ruth had found her people, and she's committed to her people. She's connected to her people. I find great refuge being part of Christian City Church. You guys may not, like, get all jiggy about that, but I think it's awesome. reason we show you the video there about this, because this is my people. I found my people. When I found my people, a whole bunch of new revelations flowed to me. Because, like they said here, I found a place 
of refuge. It says, and, and under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I found refuge with my people. When you find your people, commit to your people. When you find your people, be teachable to your people. There's relationships that God ordains, and we need to stay uh, flexible and teachable. We have to learn that behavior and attitudes are the only factors in how others will react to you. If I respond positively, I instantly increase the probability of a good response. That's a big deal, what I just said right there. Here's what I found, right? I found, you guys know my, my view on joggers, right? They're all grumpy. They don't like running. <laughs> they don't want to be running. So I walk, and I'm a very happy walker, so I smile, because walkers are happy people. <laughs> joggers are miserable. They wish they didn't have to jog. Buy that, those, you know, the spandex. They wish they didn't have to do that. <clears throat> Bright shoes. Here's what I find happens when I look, when I see people and I meet them, the joggers, they're running at me scowling. Here's what I do. What happens? I get a response. You know what kind of response? A positive response. And they wish they could be walking at that point too. <laughs> when I respond positively, I instantly increase the probability of a good response. I don't know what kind of relationship you're in right now. And I honestly, <clears throat> it's not that I don't care, but it doesn't matter. How toxic how dysfunctional or how codependent it is. Here's the question, how are you gonna respond? Because how you respond to them, did you know the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath? Why are people so angry at me? Because of your way you're talking to them. You're dressed like Tigger. And you're creating a certain response. Are you getting this? I'm helping you all grow up right now. I'm maturing you right now. If you apply this, if you apply that it's my move, this will be huge. Okay, let me just accelerate this just a little bit. I'll move just a bit. Blah, 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 blah. So just accept that relationships, here's what you have to understand. Relationships are not fair. Like, like get, honestly, get your head out of the sand. They're never going to be fair. Life isn't fair. Right? I don't know what you signed up for here, but there's, there's no, it's not fair. So just get over that idea. Relationships function either under law or grace. Well, if it's under grace, then there's, it has nothing to do with fairness. Okay, so what happens when we expect, okay, we expect to, to the, okay, so here's what happens. So if we expect relationships to be fair, then we'll blame. This all began at the fall. This is where humanism comes from, or socialism comes from. Saying, well, it's society, society needs to help me. No, get off of the couch, help yourself. Because that's what the Bible teaches us. Any amens any in the... Not so much, okay. Blame is powerless to change us. Why? Because it focuses on the past. It's always pointing back at the problem. It focuses on the offense, on the violator. It points back at genetics and dysfunctional friends and society, and it's all... Therefore, always pull, here's what happens. If, if, if you want to break the hold of the past, stop living in the past. Don't give it that much power. So, what blame does, it's a constant reminder of who should pay. Living with the, 
you broke it, you fix it mentality will keep you perpetually stuck in the past and with a victim mindset. Um, if you want to be free from the past, stop living in the past. I used to speak in prisons. And here's what I find about people in prison. A high percent of them don't believe they should be there. Well, you got caught. You, you broke the law. I had this, here's what happened to me. Pass along, you don't understand. No, no, I understand. My Chevy got hungry this week and wanted to bite a Toyota. So, so here's, here's, what I, here, here's, how, here's how the scenario played out, because I am just so busted with this. Uh, that, they pulled up right in front of me. Like, I got, I got the bent truck. Oh, they got a really bent Toyota, but I got a bent truck. So really, does it matter? Really, at the end, does it matter? I mean, other than for insurance purposes. Because I could tell you this story till the cows came home, you know? He's pulled in front of me and I, uh-huh. So here's what we did the other night when I went to prayer. They said, have you forgiven that guy yet? Said, what? He pulled up in front of me. Then they went into this. Have you forgiven the city of Calgary for not, you know, because it was so slippery? And I go, what? Because I felt this sense of injustice, right? <clears throat> I woke up at five o'clock in the morning on uh, the, the day after the accident. And honestly, if I, if I, I didn't try to hear this, it just... Um, but it was the same sort of thing, like, what was my part in that accident? You just feel so violated. That's what he pulled out and, you know, and then stopped, and then I, and then, and then. <laughs> I, but he, you wanna know what, it kept going. So, I did, so then I said, you know what? There's a slim chance. Might have been going a little fast. <laughs> for the road conditions. So it wasn't helping anybody by me blaming the Toyota, right? I was the one messed up. <clears throat> had to forgive him, had to forgive him, had to forgive him. And then I went into this thing about my health. Okay, Lord, what's, what's, what's your part in your health? And I go, what? what? The virus invading my body. You know, and then I go, oh, okay. Lord, was there some, was there some, and you know what happened? I I, start, I found an incredible amount of relief, and within, after arguing with the Lord for 45 minutes, I went back to slept like a baby. Beautiful thing. Our board, this, I'm so proud of our board, we made a decision because we had a contract with a guy who was doing snow removal. Is this gonna be law or grace? Honestly, it took us an hour because the letter I wanted to write has zero grace in it. So then here's what we decided at the end of the night. They helped me with this. It's called reverse mentoring. You let people mentor you. And I said, I think we need to bless this person and help him to move on so he doesn't feel obligated to the contract he had that he violated and will just. <laughs> what an idea, hey, to forgive somebody and not blame. What, what a concept. Why? It's because it's my move. Now, we could have done a whole bunch of stuff that was both, you know, could have been, it would have been legal, wouldn't have been biblical, but we could have, you know, we forgave. Amazing thing. All right, let me move on. Uh, here's the truth. The one who broke it, so, so if we're living by the you broke it, you fix it, the, here's a, here's a, a news, news flash. The one who broke it 
is broken too. The, the one who violated you, the one who offended you, the one who mistreated you, they're broken too. Um, and they're probably too broken to come and fix it. And for you waiting around for them to come back to fix this relationship is a waste of time. Blame is the, the path of a perpetual victim waiting for another to return to resolve it. A victim cannot see how their behavior negatively affects other people. I just need to move on just a little bit quicker. Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change the toilet paper roll. I know this. So, so, so you ha we have to accept that we've got a responsibility. Change requires me to admit my part in the issue. Pride is always unwilling to admit their part. It seems like I veered a little bit from the book of Ruth, doesn't it? No, no, it sort of does. <clears throat> okay, let me get back to this. The blame game. Um, okay, um, uh, blame gives a false sense of justification. Uh, is this important? No, let me just get to the, you're, okay, let me just say this. It's, first of all, it's your move, and secondly, uh, you're not a victim. Unless you really, really, really believe you are. And then you'll stay stuck in that victim mentality. That's what'll happen. Um, Here's my suggestion for us all, because if we, if we become victims, we drink the poison of self-pity. And the invitation is to get off the pity party this morning before you get ring around the hiney. <laughs> and we move forward because it's our move. Do you get that? It's our move. Self-pity is a poison and, the, and Satan loves it. He'll feed on that stuff all day. Okay, all right. So let me just wrap up now, it's my move. She's disgraced by her position, she's despised for her ethnicity, but Ruth moves. And, and you see through the story, what do you want me to do? And it's just such a beautiful picture of the kinsman redeemer. In chapter three, she comes under the hem of Boaz's garment, and the hem of the garment was such as, it was, this, is no, this is no shades of anything. What this is, is she came under her, his, his uh, robe and the hem of a garment. It was like the, uh, like the cuffs on a, uh, um, uh, a, a marine, uh, sorry, a naval officer. It shows your, um, your, who you are, and, it's your, and that's actually a sign of your authority. What she was doing when she came under the hem of his garment, showing that she submitted to his authority, him, a man of integrity, he responded to that with great, uh, with, with great honor. And, and you can see uh, the, the whole story. What, hap what had to happen? You see, she wasn't going to become the great-grandmother of, of, of David by simply gleaning in the fields. She had to make another move. She made another move. Bec why? Because it's her move. Now, she didn't complain that Naomi wasn't out there working with her. She didn't complain that she'd lost her husband. She didn't complain. Uh, what she did is she made a move. She didn't look for somebody to blame. There's no record of Ruth blaming anyone. Naomi says, well, my God, you've, you've, uh, you've caused all this stuff to happen. She kept blaming. Ruth never. This is remarkable how this happened. And the result of this, was this is this beautiful picture of Christ as our Redeemer. It's, and, and, and because she is a Gentile, which is even a more perfect picture, because you and I now become the Gentile bride of Christ. This is us. It's remarkable. And so the other thing is, is Boaz is introduced to Ruth by an unnamed servant. So many times in scripture, you'll hear, you'll read about the unnamed servant. Who is the unnamed servant? servant. The un, unnamed servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit. This is what the servant was. How did she get introduced to Boaz? 
by the unnamed servant. How do we come to faith in Christ? By the Holy Spirit drawing us. And if you feel a certain draw, you because we know, you, we know when we're out, out of sync. Well, I knew I was far from Christ. I just didn't know what to do. Well, we know when we're out of order. And this morning, the invitation is to do what Ruth did. She acted. And she came underneath the hem or the authority of her kinsman redeemer. And she found not only safety, but she, but she found inheritance and provision for her entire life and for all of her family. This is remarkable. It ends with the genealogy and the, bra- and the, and the wedding. And there's 10 generations which it says that of Moabitess, of, of people outside of the, king, uh, of the uh, covenant family, they, are, they don't have access uh, for 10 generations. Deuteronomy 23. He just went back and erased her entire history and brought her now into the lineage of the Messiah. You and I by, come by faith. There's lots of reasons why we, sh- we don't want to come. But there's only one thing that'll keep you from coming to Christ this morning, and that's pride. Yeah, fear, but fear, but fear honestly just is a form of low courage, and you, you, can, you can pass that. The invitation <clears throat> this morning is to come to Christ. Am I blaming anyone, anything for my current situation? If so, you become disempowered. But if you're willing to take responsibility for your life, you've always got to move. And this morning, you've got to move. That's all, Sand, in closing. Father, I thank you for the unfairness of the cross. I thank you for supernatural grace. You foresaw each one of us in your death, burial, and resurrection. And today now we have access to kingdom inheritance by simply coming to you in faith today, acknowledging our need of you. So Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that wants to return to you and and reestablish their line of inheritance and provision, I ask that you give them the courage to respond. If there's anybody that wants to come to you, I know there's no demon in hell that can keep them from coming. If your spirit is moving upon them, it's their choice. It's their move. So with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if there's anybody here this morning who would like to make a personal decision to accept Christ into their life, if that's you, I'd just like to see your hand so we can pray for you this morning. Is there anyone? Anyone? Anybody want to come back to Christ? You feel distance from the Lord and you want to come back to him. Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand quickly, please, so I can see it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? If there's anybody here this morning would like that feels, again, stuck in a relationship and they don't feel they, ha- they know what to do or they don't have a move, I want to invite you to come to the, as, as we close, I want you to come to the front. We've got a prayer team that's specifically trained to pray for you today. So why don't you just step up right from where you are and just come on forward before I release everybody. Just, you feel stuck in a relationship. Thank you. Just come on up. Just, I know this takes courage and it's a little bit, but it's actually an action that you get to take. Anybody else want to just come and just come on. Thanks. 
beautiful. Just come, just come on quickly before we close. Any others feel jammed, stuck, can't move on? Yeah. Father, I thank you for the power of choice that we can choose today. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Felt it all morning. Just love your presence. Thank you today, Lord, that you've empowered us in our relationships. And I thank you, Lord, you've given us, you're giving us the courage to move and to respond. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Through those doors walk men and women with empowered relationships. If you would like prayer, please, we've got a great team that's ready to pray for you. They'd They'd love to do that, and they're awesome at it. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Your release, go and change your world. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.